Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Brew Church Podcast. My name is Fabian. I am your host, and I'm glad that you are listening. If you would, please hit the plus button on Apple Podcasts or subscribe on Spotify as a way to help more people find this audio content. This audio is recordings from our Sunday gatherings. And if you would like to support what happens here on this podcast or in the Brew Church community in general, there's a giving button in the description of this. Uh, we hope that this is helpful for you and that you gain some good tools to lead to a life of abundance. Enjoy. Before I bring her up, I want to share a little bit about what she's done. Uh, this is, you know, this is the shameless plug here that I'm doing. Um, so you're going to hear her website and um, her socials. So go and follow her on socials and go to her website if you're interested in some of the work that she does. Uh, so Lauren is a registered dietitian, intuitive eating coach, blogger, podcaster. Uh, she's passionate about helping people who are tired of dieting rediscover a positive relationship with food and their body. That is beautiful. Using her own life experience, her expertise in nutrition, and her research on dieting. And she's helped many women free themselves from the dieting cycle. And if you want to see some of the testimonies of people that have worked with Lauren, you can go to her website. Her website's nutritionwithlauren.com, and you'll see some of the testimonies of people that have been really changed by working with her. And you'll also have access to like her uh, podcast and blog on there as well, links to all of that. Or you can go to dietitian.laurenbolin on uh, social media. Do you have a TikTok? I didn't see. Okay, TikTok as well, Instagram and TikTok. Um, with that, uh, I want to tell you about some Q&A form that there is on the website. You can go to brewchurchkc.com. If at any point you're like, ooh, that's interesting, I want to know more about that. Fabian, why aren't you talking about that? Ask her a question about that. You can ask the question. Um, <laughs> type it in uh, on that form. It'll say, ask Lauren a question. And at the end, uh, it'll populate my email. If I'm overwhelmed with many of them, I'll have to filter through. So no hurt feelings if your question gets ignored. We'll just set that intention from the beginning. Um, but hopefully, we'll get to all of them and we'll have time. But yeah, uh, with that being said, Let's give a warm welcome and a round of applause to Lauren. Yeah. Hello. All right. Welcome. We're here. I don't know how to use the mic right now. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Okay, is there anything that I missed that you want to tell them before we begin? Um, I don't think so. I think we covered it all. Cool. Yeah, that's all the things <laughs> I do. <laughs> awesome. All right. Yeah. Uh, definitely go check them out. Um, do you think you'd ever come out with a book? I was thinking about that. Oh, yeah. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I want to write a book. I want to be a speaker. By the way, shout out to Fabian because I'm starting my speaking career right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is the beginning. Uh, it all goes up from here. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah. We were talking about how, like, a lot of bands locally will start their shows here and then, um, you know, do here other things. <laughs> and so here's the speaking side of it. So, yeah. Uh, t so as we begin, tell us how you got into the work that you do. Um, some of your story of, y you know, w what we had talked about was you were a dietitian in a hospital. Is that correct? Right. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. kind of how, how you got there maybe and then how you 
got to what you do now today. So yeah, yeah tell us a little bit about your story, for journey. Sure. Well, thank you guys so much for having me here. I'm super excited to talk on this all today. Didn't even expect the purity culture part, but then we started talking and realized that's definitely part of it too. So um, yeah, I'm a registered dietitian, nutritionist. Um, really, it all started out of a lot of the body shame I felt myself because of diet culture and purity culture, which I think we're gonna definitely dive into today. Um, but basically, it's funny because in college I kind of realized I had no idea what I wanted to do and because so much of my life was spent trying to lose weight and wanting to be smaller, I was like, I have the perfect idea. I'll be a dietitian because then I'll have all the knowledge I need to lose all the weight I wanna lose. Um, so I actually, my career really started because of, the, of diet culture and that food obsession. Um, I didn't learn anything about what I do now as an intuitive eating coach in school, um, which is basically weight neutral healthcare. So I help women by taking the focus off of weight and really being able to tune into how they feel in their body in order to improve their health. Um, and so I went to school at Kansas State University, went to an internship at the University of Oklahoma. That uh, opportunity actually is where I learned about intuitive eating for the first time. I went to a national food nutrition conference and just happened to luckily walk into the right session. And I learned about intuitive eating and weight neutral healthcare and it kind of blew my mind because up until then I really didn't have a good relationship with myself and my body. Um, so I, I'm like, oh my gosh, I totally wanna teach this to people, but then it still took me probably another five or six years to be willing to let go of trying to lose weight. So yeah, like you mentioned, Fabian, um, after school I worked in a hospital for about two and a half years. I worked clinically in the med surge and ICU units as a dietitian. It really opened my eyes to what health really means outside of just losing weight. <laughs> there was so much that my patients were going through that as a nutritionist, I couldn't walk into the room and say, eat the right food <laughs> and then everything will be solved. You know, as a 23, 24 year old, I'm realizing for the first time, oh, food insecurity, lack of resources, lack of access to healthcare, all of these things are a much have a much bigger impact on our health. Um, and so I think having learned about intuitive eating and been very uh, slowly exploring that <laughs> for a few years as I was still really holding on to that need to lose weight, combined with then that exposure of working in the hospital and really seeing what health means for people, um, it kind of gave me that final push to say, I have to let go of this myself. So I remember um, I'm sure many of you have had this experience. I used to weigh myself all the time. In 2020, in January of 2020, I think that was the last time I ever weighed myself because I was like, <laughs> if I wanna teach other people this way, I have to do that myself and I have to learn how to reconnect with my body. I know that's some of what we've talked about too is, you know, we become so disconnected from ourselves. we don't know how to take care of ourselves because we're so focused on the external expectation of what I'm supposed to look like, what is right and wrong based on, you know, for me, purity culture played a huge role there. 
um, what's right and wrong based on what diet culture tells me I should be eating and what I look like. So that's when I finally really dove in and I started doing a lot of the research on, okay, how could I actually help people if I stopped focusing on weight loss? Um, and that is where things really started to change for me. <laughs> so I worked at the hospital for two and a half years. I was laid off when COVID happened and I thought if there was ever an opportunity for me to get to start helping people the way I want to, this is it. And so I started my business in 2020 and I have been doing that since then. Um, I've had the opportunity to work with around 30 women to help them really let go of dieting and reconnect with themselves. And it's, it's blown me away <laughs> at the difference it can make for people when we really turn inward instead of trying to chase the expectations that everyone else has for us. Wow. It, it sounds like you almost reclaimed something that you went into the field because there was some shame and you were wanting to um, find, you know, intellectually find ways to do the thing that you wanted to do. And then you, you almost reclaimed it and now you're flipping it on its head almost. That's, That's definitely what <laughs> it feels like for sure. It's, it was interesting once I started to really kind of challenge that diet mindset and the obsession with weight um, to even recognize, like I didn't even realize in the moment when I became and made this choice to be a dietitian that that's why I was choosing it. But really that is why. I thought finally I can lose the weight and I can look healthy and that's what I'm supposed to do, right? But turns out there's so much more to that. Yeah, wow. And, and, you know, talking about sort of the, like, culture of lose lose weight as being this blanket prescription for people in healthcare, I've heard so many horror stories of, like, like women trying to get pregnant, and instead of actually figuring out what's in the way of them trying to get pregnant, they just give them the blanket, like, lose weight, and then we'll figure it out. But, like, you have to do that first, or that's, that is going to be the solution, and it turns out that it's actually something else, and they could have had a baby the entire time. It's it's just so sad how how much that's ingrained even into our like healthcare. Yeah, yeah. So much of our healthcare truly is based on the idea of the BMI scale and this inherent belief that I mean, like I said, I didn't learn anything about weight neutral healthcare as a dietitian. I know doctors don't learn about it necessarily in med school. Like it's not something that's popular, <laughs> especially when we look at like we have for-profit health care, so keeping people stuck in this cycle of having to lose weight over and over because their body's going to regain it is really profitable. It's not actually about people's health. Um, so yeah, like our, our entire system is based off of this, and it's funny thinking like how big of a thing this is to try and tackle, but then there's so much hope in getting to work with the women that I work with because they go and advocate for themselves as a doctor. And, you know... Uh, on the pregnancy thing specifically, I interviewed someone who does help women. Um, her name's Nicola Salmon. I actually did a podcast interview with her, if you're curious. It was so good. Yeah, to do my little footnote, the reason I knew that is because I listened to that podcast episode. So just want to make sure I give you credit where credit is due. No, no, no. <laughs> it, was such, it was such a good episode and such a good example of something where we just accept oh yeah, you have to be a certain weight to be able to get pregnant or you have to lose weight to cure diabetes. There's so many misconceptions about what the actual care is that's needed by patients. And when we have people who are educated from this very weight-focused standpoint, it 
it leads to worse patient care. And I saw that firsthand in the hospital where I was told to go into a room and tell somebody to lose weight knowing that wasn't going to help what was going on at all. So, yeah. Wow. That, that must have been really hard. Um, you know. <laughs> there was a real reckoning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> About, you know, how can I actually help people instead of continue to feed into this cycle that's clearly causing harm. Yeah. Uh, so you had mentioned, and you know, talking about reclaiming, this is some of you know what I what I like about Brew Church is we're trying to say like, hey, all these harmful things about spirituality and getting together with a group of people and talking about things with meaning, we're gonna try to reclaim that. Um, you know, it's it's interesting that it went this route of purity culture in our conversation. Yeah. Um, and I know that you did a lot of exploration. So uh, how has how how has purity culture and the church. And if you aren't familiar with purity culture, um, just to give a little summary, uh, I mean, there's a lot of ways that it kind of came to be, and there's a lot of, like, really prominent people that ended up writing stuff about it. But the idea was basically that uh, the main thing was um, the purity of whatever the quote-unquote sanctity of marriage. And, like, the message was sex you know, only within the context of marriage, and so no sex before marriage, and then you had all these sort of conferences where youth would go and be told, and, like, you'd separate the men and the women, and the men would get a completely different message than the women and the girls, um, and all, all these things, but it, like, bled out from there. Like, purity culture has just kind of almost, I would say, even in some spaces, taken over the entire theology of what it means to be church and Christian when it's like, wait a minute, isn't this thing about feeding people that are hungry and like doing justice in the world? And like, wait, isn't that, isn't that part of it? But side tangent, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> uh, we could, it could go on an angry tangent here. <laughs> yeah. um, but this is not about that. But um, that's, that's kind of what it is. So like just a gist of it. But yeah, to go back to your story, um, how did, how much did the church impact you? And as you've been exploring these you know, last few weeks that we've had these conversations and you've sort of been reflecting on your own life. Tell us, like, how did you, yeah, how how did it impact you? Yeah, yeah. So, like I mentioned, I kind of grew up in a house where dieting was always on the table. Like, that was always, you know, um, not necessarily comments made to me, but just, you know, as children, we observe what we see. Um, So there was that side of it. And then I always wanted to go to church whether my family was going or not it was something that actually was like really important to me growing up um and so I was really fortunate to have a good experience through middle school but in high school I started going to a church where um an e- a non-denominational evangelical church where it was very clear whose role was what and as a woman it was our responsibility to look out for men and protect men by covering our bodies and not causing lust or sin for them. Um, And I would say that just continued through my college career as I tried to continue going to church, and that's when I really started to think, that's not working (laughs) for me anymore. (laughs) Um, But I would say, you know, I had so much body shame just from believing that my body needed to look different, even though this is the one I was born into. And then on top of it, so much shame and disconnection from self because I was also told to cover up and I can't control what my body looks like, but that's what I was taught to believe. Um, So I think it really, there was just so much shame around anything that had to do with sex, anything about 
exploring your sexuality, all of that was shove it down and don't talk about it, you know? I very much went to churches where sex was not something acceptable, um, like you said, until marriage, and it was basically like a taboo topic, um, which in learning about this and like talking with Fabian really has made me reflect a lot on those experiences. I've learned more about purity culture and the ways that it keeps us from learning about consent and the ways that it keeps us from learning about like having a healthy sexual relationship, all things that all humans go through. Um, so there were truly so many ways that it affected my relationship with myself because I had that feeling of if I dress a certain way or if I look a certain way, it's my fault if anything happens. I'm causing the sin. Um, it's definitely taken a long time for me to recognize that and really sit with the impact it's had on my life. But um, when I finally decided to kind of like lock it down and dive into the intuitive eating journey, that's given me the opportunity to really look at some of those other things that have influenced where, um, like my connection with myself and my ability to make decisions for my own body. And yeah, reflecting on church and its impact really has made, has opened my eyes quite a bit to the impact that it has. and the way that it continues even now in the church. And so for a long time, I mean, it's it, honestly, when Fabian asked me to speak here, the first thing I said was, oh, I'm not religious. <laughs> you know, like it was like, mm, yeah, probably not. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I perfect. Not be a good fit for That's you. exactly <laughs> what we need. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then that made me feel so much better. And, and we've had some really good conversations about it. But yeah, it's, it's, I think there's just been this, deep level of shame that I lived with for a long time that I'm still actively having to unlearn. Yeah, and, and I think what's what's so sad, um, there's so many things that are sad, um, but one thing that makes me angry and sad is how much it affect affected um, women compared to men. Like, we were having yeah. a conversation <laughs> in the um, in, in the car yesterday, uh, me and my wife, and we were talking about the Jonas Brothers and how, uh, you know, they got they got made fun of for having purity rings, mm -hmm. but like made mm -hmm. fun of because it was like, oh, like, you know, like you're dudes and you should you're like, you know, but like w when it comes to girls, it's like there's all this ugly language that's thrown at whatever yeah. a promiscuous girl. But like yeah. for a guy, it's like, and it's crazy because it's not just in church. But because it was so emphasized in church, it is like bled over just into, I, I think about my own high school experience and the culture of being in high school and how it's just so generalized and the, sh the shame just bleeds over and it, it, it's so sad and it makes me angry and just all these other feelings, but yeah. Yeah, I think one of the experiences that I told you about as we've talked about it is I have this very significant memory from college. I went to a retreat to find Christian community uh, where I literally lived that exact thing of men were separated from women and we were taught two very different lessons about what it means um, to be in a relationship and how we are supposed to behave before we get there. So I was told, uh, you know, cover your body to protect men. I was told like, it was, it's so weird thinking about it now. <laughs> um, but like, I remember going to this church group and 
I would wear just Nike shorts, but everyone else would wear leggings under their Nike shorts because it was, or no, it was the other way around. I would wear just leggings and everyone else would wear Nike shorts over the leggings because you got to cover up. And it's just like that culture was so strong. And even though, even at the time, I was sort of like, I don't know if that's really for me. I think it's been a big process of learning how much that impacts you know, my own relationship now and my relationship to sex and, like, damn, yeah. <laughs> it's really, like, stuck in there. Yeah, it when does. You grow up with it. Yeah. yeah and I I'm mean sure I'm not the only one who's experienced anything like that here, which is why I'm super excited to be here and talk about it. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we were talking just even before um, how much shame there was, you know, for me. I didn't grow up in it in, like, high school. Um, but when I got to college and I was a part of a church group, um, it was it was there. And so that was a part of our relationship and how much shame there was when we did get married and there was still that shame. And it it's just crazy how like it doesn't go away mm-hmm. like it doesn't it doesn't go away. And then, you you know, like you said, you miss all those other opportunities to talk about like consent and how do you respect somebody and then like I don't know all, all these other things and we're even seeing it happening now where it seems to be mm-hmm. like people are having this battle about how to have sex education in schools mm-hmm. um, and also just to like as a addendum to all of this it's very uh, homophobic as well yeah because yeah. it's right, like right. men Absolutely. and women and like that's the only two genders and that's that that's the only th- like hetero heterosexuals or you know it's like wh- when it, it's not that you know and, yeah, and so no. it's 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 like it's all wrapped up together and so yeah it's just it's it's sad it's amazing how little we're taught that it's okay to explore whatever the feelings are that you're having instead of growing up in a place that's like oh you're gonna grow up and you're gonna get married to a man so you might as well start looking for him now when you're 14 years old um <laughs> Because that's absolutely it, too. It's like we only date to marry, and then you can start to enjoy some of those things. Even then, it's still mostly about the man enjoying those things. Uh, like, it's it's weird, too, to think that that's even something that's being controlled for, like, teenage children <laughs> by adults in their youth group who are telling them how they should or shouldn't be acting. Like when all of those things are natural and are supposed to be enjoyed, and here we are feeling so much shame even once you leave the church. You know, I showed you, I asked on my Instagram story people to share their experience with purity culture and some of the things that I saw, it's just heartbreaking. It's like people um, 10 years into marriage and still can't enjoy sex with their partner because of what they were taught in church and how much shame they were taught to feel about it. I think it's it's just so harmful and you know what we're here to talk about is like the connection with your own body and that is a very powerful way to connect with your own body. So that's kind of on the you know um, healthy relationships and consent and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh I I, I do want to I do want to add for people that you know if you were taught like, well, this is how it is because this is what the text says. If you actually read the Bible, there's nothing like a modern marriage in the Bible. Um, So for people to say, well, that's how marriages were in the Bible, it's like, no. Um, There was polygamy. 
and women were property throughout that entire thing. And so there is no model. And so this is all made up. And I, and I think the thing that there's a lot of reasons why, but one word that comes to me right now is, is power and control. Absolutely. That, di- that is what it's about. And that's why I think we started talking about purity culture as we were talking about diet culture is because both of them are designed to keep us from connecting with ourselves and finding our own power. They're both designed to keep us distracted and following someone else's rules. It has been a crazy journey (laughs) to realize most of my life I was just, like my goals were all coming from meeting the expectations from some random dude at church, you know, (laughs) like, (laughs) or some (laughs) random dude who owns a weight loss company. And it's like, wait, I actually get to choose how I live my life. But that's the whole point. You know, one of the things that really helped me in 2020 kind of like dive in for real was learning about the social justice aspect of all of this and that I mean we and we can dive into that when we talk more about the dieting stuff but like when your mind and body are so distracted because you are not feeding yourself that all you can think about is food or weight or weight loss what else are you using your brain for what else are you even able to use your brain for and it's I was like, okay, so I got to get rid of that because there's a lot of other things that are really important that I want to spend my energy on. Wow. Uh, I mean, yeah, let's let's follow that. How, how did you start to untangle or heal whatever language you, you, know, you would use for that from these messages that were so harmful? Um, and, then, and then, like, let's go into sort of diet culture and how that affected how you, you know, how you eat and your relationship to food. Um, yeah, let's talk a little bit about that. Unless you had anything I, else to say I about ask the a question? Yeah, you're welcome to ask questions too. How this is this is your this is your floor. So how many yeah. of you have been on a diet and tried to lose weight before? Yeah. A lot of us. <laughs> and have you ever been in that cycle where you try to lose weight and then maybe you lose it, but then you gain it back and then you lose it again and you gain it back? Anyone? Yeah? Me too. <laughs> So it's a combination of um, I was just starting to realize like, you know, when you're in your like mid 20s and you're like, oh, wait, this is it. Like, this is adulthood. I was like, what am I doing? (laughs) You know, I'm I'm just so stuck trying to lose weight. I still hate my body. I still like don't feel good. I'm not taking care of myself except for when I'm being perfect and sticking to the rules but it always falls apart. So just kind of that recognition of I'm like on a hamster wheel here and it's not helping me and just deciding that I wanted more. Um, Even then, and I always tell my clients this when they start this journey for themselves, a lot of them just get to the point where they're like, (laughs) I don't care what I weigh. I just really wanna feel good and like be able to take care of myself. And I've worked with people in their 20s and I've worked with people in their 60s. So it's like, you know, we get stuck in this for a long time unless we decide to do the work to really let it go, which is hard. Um, You know, for me, when I decided that I was done with it, um, even at the beginning, I think I was still sort of dieting. Like I still needed the control of feeling like I was controlling what my body looked like and controlling what I was eating. 
and it took another year and a half. It really took starting to teach other people for me to realize, wow, I am asking people to go through something that I don't think I've really challenged myself to let go of yet. Um, so a combination of that and then actually doing the research, like as a nutritionist, deciding how do I wanna treat people and then looking at the research. One thing I'd love to share with you all is like when you do look at the research, um, that, that cycle that you get stuck in of losing weight and gaining weight over and over, that's a natural thing that our bodies are doing to try to protect us. It's a survival response. Um, our bodies don't really know what a diet is. Like our bodies don't understand why we're not eating because our bodies think if we're not eating when the hunger signal is there, there's no food, you know? And so then when we fall off the wagon of the diet and we start eating again, your body's like, oh no, what if famine happens again? We gotta hold on to everything we're eating. This is, it's, it's crazy to me that I didn't learn this because it's basic human biology. It's like how our bodies work and our bodies are really smart and good at keeping us alive. That's their whole goal. They don't understand dieting. Um, so I think once I started to look into that and then look in, in, into the research behind what actually happens to people who take this weight neutral approach and stop focusing on weight, at the very least, it's, there's no difference between taking a weight loss approach. And at the most, we see people have the ability to actually make sustainable changes for their health once they can put the weight aside. That's what I do for the women that I work with, is we really focus on letting go of the weight piece and starting to focus on reconnecting with how it feels to be in the body you're in right now, and then deciding what you can actually do to feel better. Um, and then one thing I always say to that, you know, I, I, I say, like at the, at the very least, there's no difference, but we do know that weight loss doesn't work. I mean, how many of you raised your hand and said you've been through that very same cycle? We don't, we're not really told to talk about the part where it doesn't work. We're only taught to talk about and celebrate the part that <laughs> does work. Yeah. <laughs> but if we actually all talked about how much it doesn't work and how much it sucks, I think we'd all feel kind of the same way. So I do want you to know that there is another way to take care of yourself than constantly chasing that number on the scale that maybe isn't realistic anymore. So at the, at the, um, with the weight loss side of it, keep in mind, like when we're thinking about making sustainable changes for our health, we need to keep in mind, it's not your fault that you can't keep the weight off. That is like what your body's going to do. And that's what your body's showing you if you've lived that experience. Uh, so what does it look like then to reframe the eating and thinking about how we eat. I know you've, uh, you know, I've heard, like I said, some of your podcasts and how you've talked about, um, you know, just uh, like you've talked a little bit about your own eating habits where you try to eat every couple hours, if, if I heard that right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what, what, is, what does it look like to have a different sort of eating habit so that we're listening to our bodies more and um, we're being in tune with what our bodies are asking for? It's quite a process. <laughs> I'll tell you that right away. Um, typically, the first thing that I do when I start to work with somebody who's been dieting their whole lives is we're just going to slow down and figure out how we got here. 
so really sitting with like I'm not even going to start with food because it's it's crazy it's blown my mind as I've done this work that how little the actual food you're eating actually matters it's so much more about your relationship with it and your relationship with yourself and your ability to connect with your own body um so like really starting by asking what are all the rules that I follow like do you even know because I know for me, as I started this, I was like, okay, well, obviously I'll let myself eat carbs now. But then it was like, oh, how many am I letting myself eat? Or am I still controlling that? Or like, what's acceptable? Or what makes me feel guilty? And kind of really exploring where maybe the stress and guilt and shame that you feel around food is coming from. That's where diet culture plays a huge role in you know, you are craving a hamburger, but you feel like you have to choose a salad what your body actually probably needs is the hamburger. Like I said, our bodies are really smart and crave the things that we need. I think something that's really helpful to think about is if you are always craving like the higher, I would say higher energy now, but basically higher calorie foods, like the foods you probably think of as junk foods or bad foods, um, you're probably not eating enough which whenever I say that to people, they're like, but I eat too much all the time. <laughs> and I'm like, probably not. <laughs> and so diving into how much are you actually eating? How often are you actually eating? When you've been following rules for so long, it's difficult to actually eat enough because you think anything's too much. Um, I know that's how I felt for a long time. I calorie counted on my fitness pal forever. I don't know if anyone else used that one or any of the other diets out there, you know, um, in this attempt to control something that we can't actually control. So, yeah, definitely the first thing I would recommend is really actually spending time reflecting on the rules that you think you have to follow right now. Um, and then from there, the thing that I see change that helps create the most change for my clients is it actually is when you start eating more consistently throughout the day. Um, for me personally, I used to binge eat at night because I would, you know, stick to my calorie count all day and then my body would win because my body wants me to be alive. Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so a helpful way to think about it is like most likely you're going to eat all of those calories either way. So what if instead of eating it all at night, feeling like shit, going through a shame spiral, you actually spend the time during the day to take the break that you need to eat food. Um, does anyone feel like they like exist on coffee or caffeine? I would ask, I would, I would look at, are you eating very much throughout the day or do you feel, you know, we turn to coffee because not only is it like the appetite suppressant, which helps with the not eating, which we think we're supposed to do, um, but it really keeps us from, well, yeah, keeps us from feeling those hunger signals and being able to say, oh, it's only been two hours since I ate, or it's been two hours since I ate, I'm feeling hunger, I should go eat. Like, learning to listen to and trust those signals your body gives you is so incredibly powerful when it comes to finding a way to eat that actually is going to make you feel like a healthy person. It's, it's so self-guided. <laughs> when my clients start working with me, they're like, okay, cool, you're going to give me a plan and I'm going to be able to follow it and it's going to fix my relationship with food. And then they come on a call and they're like, okay, so what do I eat? And I'm like, I don't know. 
what do you eat? <laughs> like you gotta you gotta explore that. You gotta figure out how to connect with yourself to find out what works for you. Um, and even you know eating consistently throughout the day, like that's gonna look different for every single person. And that's something that's kind of like that general guidance I give to begin with. But if you if you do have those signals that you're under eating, which is, you know, the eating all so much at night that you feel sick or having to go throughout your day dependent on caffeine, there's lots more. And I have plenty of resources to dive into all of that, too. Um, but really, the, the things things really start to change once you can start eating enough for your body and exploring what that looks like for you not based on what the rules are that's that's really helpful um i feel like we could talk for like hours um yeah. so you're gonna have to come back <laughs> at some point my email is starting to populate with okay. questions <laughs> but i have one more question because i f i feel like um this all ties in together and uh you know just to for people who have come in the last few weeks uh to brew church We've been talking about rest um, based off this uh, book by Trisha Hershey um, where she talks about rest as, as resistance, basically rest as resistance to the capitalist machine that wants us to produce and make and be efficient and saying, no, my body is not a machine meant to produce. My I'm a human being. And so that's kind of what led to this. Um, but a connecting thread through all of this, through the purity culture, through the diet culture, which the way you talked about diet culture um, when you know we were having this conversation was that it's similar to purity culture. Yeah. It's just like a secular, quote-unquote, secular version Truly. of purity culture, right? It's, it's a different set of rules to follow yeah. that control how you exist in this world. Yeah, and the connecting thread is shame. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, and the shame that we feel about our bodies, the shame that we feel when we make choices that don't fit within the rules, how damaging, how disembodying, um, and how just horrible shame is. And so my last question before we dive into the emails that are populating in here, um, and I'm going to look at them as you're talking, so I'm not ignoring you, <laughs> is uh, what would you say to people in the room about shame about our bodies? That, that's the it. question. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the most helpful thing that I've learned, there's this idea of like body positivity, which is really helpful as a concept. But if you currently hate your body, that probably feels super unrealistic. So I think the most helpful thing that I have learned, and this is where I start with the people I work with, is like, what if we just work on like neutrally accepting that the body you're in every day is your body. I really, in working with people, I really opened my eyes to that feeling of like, if your body doesn't fit the standards or if it hasn't always looked a certain way and it's changed um, and you feel like this isn't my body, that's, that's a really hard place to be and it's hard to figure out how to take care of yourself from there when you don't feel like you're even in your own body. Um, so being able to just start there and neutrally say, you know, I cannot like this, but it is my body. That's that's where you start. <laughs> Don't feel like you have to start. I, you know, you see stuff online that's like just stand in front of a mirror and say that you love yourself. If 
you don't, that's probably not going to feel good or work, <laughs> you know? So just start with, this is my body. What can I do to care for myself right now? What can I actually control? If What my body has already shown me is that I can't control my weight and that I know I can't control a culture that's always going to tell me that I'm wrong. So I think that's that's what really helped me start to actually connect with myself and ask what works for me is to just say, this is where I'm at, so what do I do now, you know? And don't, don't feel like you have to be positive or feel guilty for not being positive about your body. That's just another way <laughs> for you to feel controlled by what you're supposed to be doing, you know? That's where I would start. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So we have a lot of questions, and how's ten minutes? Is there, like, I mean, you can you can get up and leave at any point if you like, but you feeling you feeling ten ten minutes? Uh, I'm asking the crowd. Are you good? We're good for some <laughs> ten minutes. Okay. Uh, so here's my thought: if we can get this in ten minutes, uh, maybe a couple sentences on each one. Okay. And by a couple, I mean the actual literal two sentences on each one. Um, unless, <laughs> unless you think, I'll do my best. Unless you know. think you can. Okay. So uh, this is the first one. Uh, what parameters would you measure to know someone's health? Typically, with my clients, I talk about biochemical health markers and the ways that we can change or improve those with nutrition, with movement, um, with stress reduction. Those are probably three of the biggest things that affect those um, biochemical markers, meaning like your labs when you go to the doctor and check that. You do not have to decide based on your weight if you're healthy or not. Awesome. Great. That was good. Uh, this is actually a question. <laughs> this is actually a question for me. Um, so if it's okay, I'm, I'm going to dive in. Yeah, uh, I I don't, I, I'm going to try to do it in two sentences. Uh, do you think that purity culture has been ripped from the Bible, quote, ripped from the Bible? I guess what I'm asking is, what does the Bible really say about sex before marriage, and what does it say about purity culture? Whew, okay, two sentences. Um, this, this might be. So I figured this one was for me, unless you want to answer that one. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, Oh, let's see. T I, I don't know. I'm just I'm just going to dive in and see how it goes. Uh, I I think that um <laughs> this is hard. I think that purity culture in reference to sex was a response to a feeling of a threat that real religion was becoming delegitimate because of our understanding of evolution and the cosmos. And so I think that that it was a response to a fear that if our Bible doesn't work when it's read literally, then it's not valuable at all. Um, I don't read the Bible that way. I don't think it has to be this literal description of how the cosmos came to be and an answer to all the questions about how do I live my life 
um, every single minute of every single day? And what can it become uh, a series of stories that inspire you to be a better human and love those around you and uh, do things like good work in the world so that everybody experiences flourishing, then it completely changes your experience of the Bible. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's about, uh, Lauren's the one that we're here to talk to, so I'm gonna stop talking because it's not about me. Um, this one's uh, a personal one, and um, yeah, so I'm gonna toss it to you. I graduated from high school a nine, a nine foot five inches, I guess that's gonna s that's six foot nine five inches, ninety nine pound male. I'm now in my second year of college. I'm almost two hundred pounds. I've always felt overweight and have never felt comfortable about my body. I think I'm fat. How can I feel comfortable with my body and stop thinking about what others might think about me? You know, this is a tough one, and I obviously don't live in a body that necessarily has suffered by the standards of our culture. So the first thing I want to say is it's really difficult to live in a world that is constantly telling you your body is wrong. But I w what I want you to know is that your body is not wrong. Your body is literally genetically made the way it was supposed to be. Um, it is absolutely a complex question to answer. Um, and I would love to talk to you more. There's a lot of questions I have for you. Can I say that? <laughs> yeah, that's great, yeah. I don't uh, have a great two-sentence answer yeah. to that one, yeah. but I would love to talk more. Yeah. Uh, do you think there is a parallel between the different treatment of men versus women in the church and the different treatment of men's versus bodies? I'm gonna guess culturally. Um, is there a parallel, do you think, between those? between like like how men versus women's bodies get talked about in church and how men versus women's bodies get talked about culturally overall I'm gonna guess that's what the question yes. is asking yeah I would absolutely say there are parallels um, one of the things that Fabi and I and I talked about when we were talking about this was the ways that both you know, some things in Christianity and purity culture and diet culture are very much rooted in the patriarchy and control over women's bodies, um, rooted in racism and control over minorities' bodies. Like, so much of this truly is about keeping a certain person in power. So, yeah, there's absolutely parallels. Um, but to that, I would also say, just like the last question, men struggle with their bodies just as well, you know? Um, there's, there's definitely very significant expectations that are put on women and the way that we're supposed to look to be desired or what we think we're supposed to look like to be loved and accepted. I would say it's a little looser for men, but absolutely there's parallels in, in the way that women are controlled. Yeah, and, and I think the fact that there are parallels tells us that it's a patriarchy problem. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I totally <laughs> yeah, it's, agree. It's, yeah. I totally agree. Uh, there's one question that was similar to a previous question. So um, if you have more on this uh, person that wrote this question, um, you can talk to Lauren afterwards. But it was, what do you look at in your clients to assess if your approach is working? I feel like that was similar to how do you know, how do you measure health? Um, it, 
but unless you have additional things you want to I say have to a that. Bit okay, okay, then I I, I apologize, person. Oh no, uh, no, Lauren's gonna, gonna dive in. <laughs> um, for my clients, for people who sign up to work with me, we actually don't check labs regularly. That's something that they do with their doctor. We talk about it if it comes up. But I would say for me, what I'm looking for is for my clients to be able to come on a call and stop looking at me as the expert. I want to see them starting to ask questions and looking to themselves for what works best and what feels good. And to tell you the truth, you know, I have clients who have worked with me and, and when they work with me, I say, we're not going to talk about weight. We're not going to look at this. This is not the goal. I want you to really reconnect with yourself. And for the most part, people don't want to go back to that. But I've had clients that decided, you know, I really like what I learned here and I'm going to take that into losing weight. And my response is, only you know what's best for your body. So I would say that's the biggest thing that I look at for my clients is how do you feel? What feels good to you? And, and do you feel the confidence to make that decision without having to ask me for permission? Yeah. Uh, how do you help people get over feeling like they are addicted to sugar slash junk food? This is literally my favorite question. <laughs> so it addiction to food does not exist we have to have food to be alive when you feel addicted to food like i mentioned earlier if you are constantly craving sugar if you are constantly craving high calorie foods it's because your body is not getting the energy that it needs the most insane thing that happened to me and that happens for my clients is when we learn how to nourish our bodies with the amount of energy that we actually need consistently throughout the day, we stop craving those high energy foods. It literally changes your cravings because once your body is no longer basically energy deprived, you know, your body can go, okay, what do we need to be healthy? Our bodies do crave nutrition. Nutrition is important. But it's not more important than your relationship with yourself and your ability to like enjoy the fun foods that you want to have. Um, one of the things that I feel like is really confusing is that initial change from diet culture, that initial change from like constantly starving yourself basically. And then you start eating all those foods that have been off limits for so long and you feel like crap and you're like, this isn't working it's normal to go through literally a recovery period of having to eat a lot of food so that your body knows that you're safe and that food will be available. Um, so not an easy, again, that's why I said this whole thing is such a process. You know, yeah. my clients sign up for a 12 week program and have access to working with me for literally as long as they need, you know, they have lifetime access to, uh, the group coaching and working with me because I think everyone has to go through this at their own pace and your body has to relearn that it's safe at your own pace mm. and it's totally dependent on your history with food and restriction and all those kind of things. Mm. Thank you so much. That was, that was awesome. Um, I'm going to tighten these last three up for sure to a couple. <laughs> do you think that diet culture will change in the next few years? Um, how do you think diet culture will change? Will it become more negative or positive? I think one thing that's been really hopeful is seeing the way that um, intuitive eating or this weight neutral approach has grown within the field of dietetics. I have a lot of hope in um, the future of medicine that we are going to move into a weight neutral approach just because the research is there and it can't be ignored. 
Um, it takes us talking about it, though, with each other. Like, we have to, s like, support each other and not buying into the way it's always been. Um, I will also say I have a little sister who's about to turn 15, and she has, she doesn't do any of this. She has no interest in weight loss. She has none of that. And I think a lot of kids her age are learning to accept that bodies are different and that bodies should look different. Um, so I have a lot of hope for the future and the fact that if we keep talking about it, we can stop buying in and change. Yeah, I love that. I love like talking about it. That's what this whole thing has been about is let's just talk about it because yeah. even just talking about it is, is br brings it to the forefront of our minds and helps us realize that we're not alone. Yeah, and this. I think yeah. diet culture is extremely isolating. Like I said earlier, we're not taught to talk about the hard part. And I think when we do that, it's, I hope some of you feel affirmed that it, you haven't failed and that you're not doing anything wrong, but there is so much to learn here to help you reconnect with your body and feel healthy. Mm. That's, that's so good. Um, that's going on. Um, probably going to be a quote on social media <laughs> you haven't failed okay. that's beautiful <laughs> uh how has intuitive eating changed your relationship with your body body image oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> um it's completely night and day i mean and it's funny because my body is larger now than it ever was before which still i have s so many privileges so i do want to address that um before I would totally melt down if clothes didn't fit. I hated my body. There was an entire year that I didn't wear jeans because I didn't want to buy a size bigger. Even though I was literally in my early 20s where my body is supposed to be growing and changing. Um, <laughs> some of my best friends are sitting up here and like have been around me in a meltdown because I couldn't fit into the clothes that I thought should fit my body. And now I absolutely started with neutrality because I was coming from a really tough place. You know, I explored a lot of weight loss internet early. I remember being in third grade and already thinking my body was too big. So it was a lot of years of really just hating myself because I didn't feel like I looked <laughs> like Vanessa Ann Hudgens on High School Musical, <laughs> 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 even though I was 14. Um <laughs> But now I would feel like I would say it's taken years, so I w it's important that we all know <laughs> that it takes a lot of time and intentional effort unlearning these things, but I truly feel comfortable in my body, and I feel like I'm in the body I'm supposed to be in, and this is it, and I know it's going to keep changing and that I can't control that. I don't obsess over my body every day, and this is what I see for my clients too. It's like an entirely new world exists because I don't wake up and think about how to lose weight. So it's a completely night and day difference, and it's it's crazy to reflect on the way that I used to treat myself because it's so much better now. Wow, that that is powerful. Um, last question: How do you talk to someone on the street? that is really into diet culture. Um, there was an addendum to that question. You obviously don't evangelize them, um, <laughs> you know, because we're trying to, uh, you know, move away from that here at Brew Church and in, in our ways of talking about diet culture. Um, so, you know, we're not going to force somebody. Well, actually. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, how do, you, how do you talk to somebody? And that's the, and that's the last question, by the sure. way. So. <laughs> I 
think I kind of lost the two sentence rule, but. <laughs> hey, no, that's all right. We went five minutes over, yeah. and I think people are okay. So okay. you're okay, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, honestly, for my own self, I'm not gonna even try and challenge someone who's way deep in it unless they want to learn from me. But the thing that I think helps to lead with is just my own experience. Like, so if you are someone who has kind of started this and you are seeing improvements in your health, just explaining, you know, I don't, I don't really focus on that anymore. And here's the way that it's improved my life. Um, you can always, you know, look into the research and mention the fact that literal medical professionals are working from this weight neutral approach because it's improving their patient's health. Um, and I think, you know, always depending on the person, but really talking about the fact that this is a culture and this is, these are not rules we actually have to follow. This is made up. It's all made up. And <laughs> we are allowed to exist in our bodies however, however they are. Thank you so much. Uh, let's give Lauren a round of applause. Thank you. Yeah. You are amazing. Um, I hope this has been healing for you. I hope that you gain some helpful tools um, on your own journey of loving yourself and loving your body and listening to it. I think maybe that's one thing too is just like there's been such a suspicion of don't listen to your body because your body is wrong. That's what purity culture is saying. It's saying your body's evil. It wants these things and it's like, no, what? Like that's natural. It's like a natural thing to do. Um, and diet culture, like your body is, I mean, I remember being in biology class and them being like, well, like your body's telling you to eat fatty foods because it is wrong and evil and it's like no listen there's, a, there's actually always a reason your body is craving the things it's craving yeah it's wild yeah <laughs> so yeah i'm just i'm hopeful that this is a start of a journey for you all thank you lauren again let's give her another round of applause you started your speaking career this is it this is the beginning so uh yeah uh cheers everybody you can keep hanging out and uh we'll see you soon Thank you for listening to this episode. Peace and blessings, everyone.